Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Sandra Foreman, founder of The Spa In Me, LLC. She is also a lawyer, a yoga instructor, a self-care coach. Thank you so much for coming on the program. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I am fascinated by your um, background in health law. I would love to learn a little bit more about how you got into that area Mm. of law and what it entails. Um, But because you have such a variety of different uh, kind of areas of expertise, Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could just maybe talk in general about health and wellness professions. For anyone out there who's wanting to, um, to kind of go into this field, so to speak, health and wellness, we just kind of like laying out some of the different options that they have sure. in terms of careers and ways that they can help people. Right. And um, there are many different ways to get involved with health and wellness. And so I think the first uh, thing that one should consider is whether or not they want to work with people. Mm. Do they want to write? Are they a writer and want to do more of, uh, of an analysis of a health and wellness situation? Um, I think those are the first things that people should consider because working with people is definitely different than, you know, having time to sit and think and, and, and get, put your thoughts on paper. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first step uh, in terms of, you know, what type of uh, thinking about the work situation that a person mm-hmm. would want. Like, do you want to be seeing patients right. every day mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of maybe more of like the back end, so to speak, exactly. where you're not actually... <laughs> one-on-one with patients every day. Exactly. And then, um, you know, maybe just thinking about the type of work setting is one um, more interested in working for a a company or maybe a small business. Are they um, wanting to work for a nonprofit organization, Mm. a government agency? Those are the types of things I I think are important for a person to consider in um, deciding... um, where in health and wellness field they also want to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And then can you talk a little bit about how you um, how you ended up in health law and what exactly all of the different, you know, kind of um, certifications right. you have there? Right. I, I was, it was really uh, organic because my first attorney position was at State Council for Offenders, which is uh, part of Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And there was an attorney, my coworker, she had all these pro bono cases uh, representing veterans. And um, I questioned her about, you know, what are you doing? And she told me about a national organization which still exists. I've been practicing law for 22 years. Uh, So this was when I first became licensed. Uh, She introduced me to the area of veterans law. She took um, pro bono cases with the national organization of 
Veterans uh, Consortium. That's an organization which will train attorneys to represent veterans in pursuing their uh, service-connected benefits. Mm. So uh, they represent veterans at the highest appellate level uh, in a veterans court, which is uh, the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. So I would, in that program, they will uh, assign a mentor attorney, someone who has practiced veterans law for a number of years. They've already assessed the case, and they take cases where they feel that uh, a veteran can actually receive benefits, that they have a viable claim, and mm-hmm. they've, been, um, they've gone through the administrative review. So I would take, uh, represent veterans for about... Um, I did that for 10 years. Wow. (laughs) I would help them uh, with their appeals to the U.S. Court of Appeals to Veterans Claims. And they were the best clients. They were so very appreciative of the work that I did for them because they know, unfortunately, in that area of of disability law, there are very few attorneys who practice it. Mm. During the time that I practiced, there were um, really not very many. Now there are more attorneys who represent veterans and assisting them in obtaining their veterans' disability benefits, but still the number is very small. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started. And um, from there, I took Social Security disability cases, and I would help um, and, and, and help claimants obtain their disability benefits. I also... Uh, was the director of advocacy for Covenant House Texas. And that's an international organization with 22 sites, I believe, that houses uh, homeless youth from from up to the age of 21. Mm -hmm. And so when I had that position, I was introduced to the aspect of public health law. So it was more of an advocacy policy type position. And so in that position, um, I realized I wanted to get more involved in, in health law. And that's a, an umbrella term because there are so many different areas of health law. But I went to uh, went back to law school. Uh, there is a, a high, the highest law degree that one can obtain after the JD and after becoming a licensed attorney is what's called a master of laws. It's also called an LLM. I obtained that at the University of Houston, which has an amazing health law program. Mm. And so after that, I uh, worked more in uh, disability law work and um, correctional health care is another area and also um, dealing with insurance issues. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, insurance claims. That must be a huge area of the law, right? Right. That's a huge area of health law. Can you uh, maybe just, because I really have no knowledge of health law, can you kind of break it into the, I guess, different categories, so to speak? Right. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. 
That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. There are a number of areas in health law. Like I said, that's really just, you know, an umbrella term, like medicine is an umbrella term. But there, you know, um, is the area of disability law where maybe disability benefits, helping people obtain their benefits, uh, Social Security disability, uh, veterans disability, long-term care insurance could go under that as well because that's mm-hmm. dealing with disability issues. You also have health insurance issues, which uh, there are different types of health insurance. So maybe helping either uh, the insured or helping the provider or helping the provider, meaning the healthcare professional, or maybe wor- working uh, on behalf of a hospital or um, the insurance company itself. So, you know, there's that component. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, when I went through the um, uh, LLM program, my interest at the time was really in the area of immigration, the health side of immigration, because in immigration, you're also dealing with health law issues, such mm-hmm. as uh, a person who wants to um, come to the United States to obtain uh, a medical procedure, or you have different health professionals that work on a certain visas in the U.S. So that's another component of, of health law. If someone has an interest in immigration, but they want to merge it with health law, then that's another way to do it. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also the area of Still disability, but more uh, maybe uh, disability discrimination issues, such uh, issues that may arise under the Americans with Disabilities Act are, um, you know, that's another area in which people can maybe get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also maybe the health policy, health advocacy route, because mm. there are a number of, you have health professional associations or you also have certain uh, organizations like the American Cancer Society, just maybe different nonprofits. And so the policy route is another, um, it's not maybe health law per se, it's more policy oriented, but Mm -hmm. still, to me, it's still, you know, legal. So that's another way to get involved if someone wants to work more uh, in the nonprofit sector, but they have this interest in, in health law issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've thought a lot about you know you know when you look at the different policy around things like um, <clears throat> school lunches or mm-hmm. you know just you know getting I guess a little bit more into like farming or whatever. I don't know if this necessarily goes towards health, but mm-hmm. you know they subsidize all of the really unhealthy crops for us, you know, corn and soy and the things that we know that, Mm -hmm. especially when they become so highly processed, which most of those ingredients do, these are like really not the foods that we need to be eating, Mm -hmm. yet they're subsidized by the government. So I've always had this kind of interest in like, man, well, what if you could shift so that they were actually subsidizing like organic farming, healthier foods, right. you know, getting, you know, community gardens and things like that. Right. Um, so I've always kind of had a had a little bit of like <laughs> interest in that area. So that would be kind of in that policy. Right. That's po- more policy. But it still could be, you know, still dealing with legal issues because there is the Food and Drug Administration. Mm-hmm. There's like the rulemaking component where you have attorneys who are involved in that or you may have an attorney who is with uh, a law firm and they um, assist with 
commenting on certain rules because before mm. rules were adopted, they had to be proposed. So, you know, there is that component, right. too. Um, it's more, it still is legal, but some people may think of it as more of an advocacy perspective. Okay. But there is that food and uh, tr- food law. I mean, mm-hmm. that's another area of, of health law because, you know, ac- you, food is important for our health needs. Right. Yeah. Right. And so for somebody who's maybe on the track, you know, to be, you know, to becoming a lawyer or something Mm -hmm. like that, do you have any recommendations you would give? Or um, I know you had mentioned that sometimes people will contact (laughs) you. Um, Students who are either in college or in a law program would be like... What are some of the questions that they that they ask? Right, they they do ask about you know what is health law and um, because um, current law school students approach me and have questions. One thing I do tell them that a growing area of law, which you know to me it's you know health law, but also there's. Um, privacy and security issues mm. and you can merge the two by maybe any company now they need to have privacy attorneys on staff and so you can maybe work at a health related company or organization dealing with you know the security issues but between so that if there is a breach of certain information mm. you know there is that component and there's the the merger of the health health issues health information that is accessed, um, but you're also dealing with the growing area of, of information law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely love that, kind of joining, <laughs> joining the two worlds yes. together. Um, are there any other, you know, questions that you get? <laughs> well, uh, they do, will ask, you know, what, they sometimes they'll ask for guidance on what types of companies, and so I do try to give them examples, you know, um, you could work for really any company is going to have an attorney on staff, but mm-hmm. um, I'll point them to maybe um, health uh, companies that sell uh, maybe shoes or you know clothing in the in the health area, uh, sporting companies that that type of thing. Mm-hmm. If they're more you know if their interest is more of an active, uh, if they're active. Um, in fitness, you know, mm-hmm. I'll try to steer them toward those types of companies, um, athletic organizations, hire attorneys. So I try to give them a broad view because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just starting, you're not thinking that broadly because right. you're just focused on, they're just focused on getting out of law school. <laughs> <laughs> they want to start, but, you know, they're not ready yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we were actually talking, you know, before, um, before this video that, um, a lot of times the the fear around doing something new mm-hmm. or like you want to do something but you don't know what it is or you don't right. know where to start, like that fear is actually way bigger than than the thing itself right. or whatever. So just kind of getting some, um, I guess, confidence to know, you know, that you are on the right path and yeah. you're like headed in this right direction. Like that really goes a long way towards helping that mm-hmm. that big fear feel a lot smaller. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of law students now are really college students, too. They want more of a work-life balance. So, you know, they're not really looking – a lot of them are not looking at working at firms, but they have to build, like, excessive number of hours they want mm. 
more balanced in their lives. So that's why I think they're seeking guidance on, you know, some, they're, they're wanting direction on, you know, other opportunities that are, are available outside of the law firm life. You know, there are small law firms that people can go work for after law school. Mm-hmm. And in law school, you can also intern in the summertime. So those are possibilities, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of internships or anything did you do when you were in law school? I'm trying to remember. I I would intern at uh, Legal Aid here in Austin, um, I did in- internship at a transportation uh, agency. Went, I went to law school in, in Cleveland, Ohio. So I in- uh, internship at uh, a transportation agency there. So I'm like, eh, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so then you kind of discovered <laughs> that you wanted to like right. do something a little more like health and wellness and yeah. helping people. Yeah, it, it, you know, when you try anything, you realize maybe quickly or slowly whether or not it's for you. So Mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't take long. (laughs) (laughs) How funny. Um, And then can you talk a little bit about what you're, what you're primarily doing now? Right. Um, Like the type of legal work that you're doing. Mainly now I am focused on uh, insurance issues. Uh, So that's a big part of what I do, health insurance and uh, Medicare supplement, Mm long-term care, that type of thing. And then are you representing the insured or the insurers? <laughs> uh, the government agency, yeah, that regulates the insurance. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then do you like that? Would you recommend that kind of work to people? or For people who – I find Medicare supplement and long-term care issues uh, very exciting. So – um, that's something else that a person could, you know, they can go the government route at the local level, uh, city government, because, you know, the city usually has different health care issues that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. or at the county level, then you have the state and the federal government. You know, those are other governmental options for a person to consider. Mm-hmm. And then this may be a just completely off-the-wall question, but for somebody who you know, might ask, like, well, what path would I take, you know, in order to have the most effect or the most benefit on, Mm. like, changing policy or improving people's lives or something like that? That's a difficult one because I think, again, since health is so broad, it would need to, I think a person would need to determine, okay, what are you primarily interested in? Are you interested more on the provider side? Or do you have more of an interest on the uh, the person and their ability to access health care? Mm-hmm. Uh, is your interest maybe like in, um, in, in international issues where people maybe can come to the U.S. and access uh, a medical pr- procedure that they can't get in their own country? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's... It depends on really primarily what their interests are Mm -hmm. because there are so many different directions they could go. Right. Yeah. And then are there any other, um, like, professions that you want to talk about? Like, I think it's really interesting that you, from, you know, background of a lawyer, Mm -hmm. ended up, you know, taking yoga teacher training. Now you've become a self-care coach. Can you just maybe, like, talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, uh Another opportunity, because I also have, with the Veterans Law, it's basically appellate writing, meaning 
there's a lot of writing. <laughs> so you're not going to, you're going to court, but you're going to court in terms of you're making your arguments on paper. Mm. And then um, the ultimate decision is based on, you know, both the brief written on behalf of the veteran and then the brief written on behalf of the Veterans Administration. So because I have a writing background, uh, one thing I have considered, I haven't done a lot of it yet, is freelance writing. So someone who has uh, an interest for in writing, uh, they could maybe uh write articles for health and wellness publications. You know, that's definitely, an, uh, an, there's an art to it <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of how you pitch publications and how editors contact you, but that's another opportunity as well. Right, right. Yeah, you get to see your name in magazines, yeah. and I think that's always exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and more companies now hire uh, content writers for, uh, their social media, mm-hmm. so that's something that a person could do as well. They could become a content writer for uh, a company to for their blogs or for their social media. Mm-hmm. You know, they they could do that type of thing. And some companies even have their own magazines now. Right. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that those writing opportunities are also available. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the previous podcast, we had kind of talked about um, self care and burnout. Um, And I feel like that is a very, uh, you know, here where we're kind of talking about law and Mm -hmm. encouraging people, you know, different potential careers in law. Do you want to speak a little bit about burnout in terms of what you experienced and what you learned for all of the people out there listening who hopefully aren't burned out yet, (laughs) how they can uh, keep from kind of taking that path and feeling so overwhelmed. What I learned is that I reached burnout because I did not do anything for myself, you know, in college or law school. Primarily I focused on just studying and getting to the next level of, you know, law of schooling and then career. You know, I just didn't know any other way because that wasn't something that was discussed or even at the top of my to-do list. I Mm -hmm. just didn't make myself a priority. Um, And then married, um, I had kids, and it was just, I was just very robotic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, husband, kids, work, start over. So, um, but as my kids got older and they didn't need me, as involved in their lives and and just reaching burnout in terms of just feeling mentally and physically exhausting and wanting to do more. Mm. I started just, you know, work. Um, that's when I dealt with burnout and realized I needed to find something that I enjoyed doing, mm-hmm. which because I didn't know where to start was an exploration process that took really a number of years before I could figure out what I enjoyed. Mm. And... Um, so what I would suggest to, to, to listeners is to, in order to live a more well-rounded life, it's important to include, think of yourself and try to do something just for you, even, you know, even if it's at home, just, you know, making yourself a priority, maybe by sitting still or going outside and walking around, but just find something that a person enjoys doing Mm -hmm. and that could be their thing because we all need to take a time out and we can't 
be there for everybody else if we're not taking care of ourselves. Mm. So true. Yeah. So that's, I really had to, you know, I had to learn that on my own. And what during my exploration process of a number of years, what I found that I, that appealed to me uh, were uh, health and wellness activities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how I got there. It's like I had the health law background and eventually I became passionate about, you know, health and wellness activities activities and self-care practices mm-hmm. and then you actually became a yoga teacher yes even though you don't actually teach do you teach yoga no I don't I don't teach uh, I during the time I discovered yoga I had been taking it for about maybe a year and I thought well I want to go deeper into it and I may eventually write about yoga and at that time I was thinking I would write about yoga retreats and you know different destinations spas so that was my thinking and so I completed the yoga teacher training and was really uh enlightening because I learned a lot about the history of yoga and the different types of yoga so I'm glad that I took it Mm -hmm. um so you know that's another route that people can take is there are so many alternative um uh, alternative health uh, careers, or even if people just want to, you know, they want to keep their day job and just do something different on the weekends, you know, mm-hmm. th- those are things that people can do. Right. Uh, I remember, so I did the yoga teacher training. I also completed part, I didn't finish, I want to go back. It's just life got in the way. I completed a third of a clinical herbalism program because I was really, I still am into herbs, uh, but I've met a number of clinical herbalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've met a clinical aromatherapist. So, you know, there are a lot of different alternative health careers out there that people can choose to, right. you know, do it on the weekends and they still have their day job, you know, can still incorporate it into their lives. Right. Well, I think it's just so, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, self-care mm-hmm. as a topic, it's kind of. It's not as clear as being like, right. oh, I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to go for a swim. You have right. a really clear vision of like what that entails. Mm-hmm. And so for the word self-care, I think sometimes it's it's confusing, you know. Right. But it's like, hey, if you're making time to go to yoga class or to go do this other thing you enjoy mm-hmm. or to go, you know, get a massage or, you know, do something that is like just for you. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but then at the same time, we feel so much pressure to do more and sleep less and all of these things that it's like making time to do something that's just for ourselves. Right. You know, tends to, um, you know, not always get the priority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have any, I guess, advice uh, in that area for people, you know, making yeah. time for taking care of yourself? I would say start small. Don't go, you know, from zero to 100. (laughs) Uh, Maybe just start doing something at home for yourself. Maybe watching 
uh, on a Saturday, spend a day watching comedy shows or read a book you've been wanting to read for a while and haven't read it, you know? Uh, spend time lounging, hugging your dog or cat, you know, those types of things are also a form of just focusing on yourself and it's, yeah, it's, you're caring for yourself. So that's mm-hmm. something very small, very minor that we could take time out to do, I think. Right. Uh, and then just maybe uh, doing something uh, outside of the home if you if a person wants uh, is something that they can add eventually. But I would just go about it in a gradual way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with you on mm-hmm. like the starting small, yeah. little tiny baby steps because it can feel really overwhelming right. when, you know, it feels like a lot. So, you know, I'll often just recommend people like three minutes a day mm-hmm. of stretching. No more. Right. No less three minutes because, you know, if it's too big of a chunk of time, it feels overwhelming. Right. You know, and so just getting people like into the habit of taking that time to slow down. And, exactly. You know, stretching, meditating, doing yoga, however you want to mm-hmm. spend that time. But that, you know, you start making a habit of like doing it every day yeah. or, you know, like you said, once a week that you go and take an hour or something to just do something for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, talking about some of the different, uh, professions that we've talked about and all these different legal professions, there's a lot of stress and pressure associated with those things. So it almost creates even more of a need to, you know, make sure that you're taking time to just like slow down and relax and be good to yourself. I would like to talk, retreat planning is something that a person could do. (laughs) So I have an upcoming, the Spa and Me um, has an upcoming retreat. The Spa and Me is the company that I started. And it's the first one. And I have taken uh, about eight to nine months to plan it. Because for me, what has helped is to attend women's retreats. And I wanted to offer that to other women. Because the first thing is that we don't give ourselves permission. I think, you know, giving yourself permission is the first big step to mm-hmm. do something for yourself. And so um, a retreat that this retreat is one day, it's in Dripping Springs. It's from eight to five. And the whole purpose of the retreat is for, of course, for women to relax. But I want to introduce them to self-care modalities that a, a few that have worked for me. Mm-hmm so that when they return home, they can easily implement them. And so at the retreat, we will have an acoustic guitarist. You know, you can always incorporate music into your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I find music to be very soothing, and that's an instrument that I, I really enjoy listening to when I just want uh, just to relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have nutritious food. It's all vegetarian. Um Breakfast, lunch, morning, afternoon snack. And we will have uh, a general writing facilitator, something that I find very helpful for me when I feel like I'm, I'm just thinking of too much and I have too much going on, is to write in a journal. And so I will have, Jenny Guy is a general writing facilitator here in, in Austin, and she's going to teach women how to journal. I mean, it's writing, but, you know, um, People have a hard time with the concept of how do you journal. So mm-hmm. she's going to um, talk about that. 
and then we'll have one breakout session and people, the women will choose between either uh, a cooking competition with the venue owner who is an amazing cook or attending a yoga nidra session in a beautiful barn on site. It's at Onion Creek Kitchens at Juniper Hills Farm is, is the okay. location. And yoga nidra is an ancient yoga practice. There's no movement. It's uh, focused on guided sleep meditation. So Anna, Anna Pilar Cruz is teaching yoga nidra. She is an amazing yoga teacher here in Austin. So she'll talk about the history of yoga nidra, the benefits of it. It's really helpful for people who have trouble sleeping. Mm. Uh, it's used uh, in a number of veterans administration uh, facilities for veterans who have trouble sleeping because of n numerous conditions that they're dealing with. Certainly. Um, and so she'll teach that. And then the uh, last session is with Amy Suchino, who is an ecotherapist. And ecotherapy really makes the connection uh, between nature and therapy. So basically, it's uh, teaching people how to go outdoors more. There's a problem with nature deficit disorder. So wow. she introduces the concept that nature in itself is healing. So she will... Uh, talk about ecotherapy, and then she'll lead a um, um, meditative walk to the donkey corral that's on site, and so we can spend time with animals because being around uh, animals is also healing. Wow. Yeah. And so how did you become a, a retreat coordinator? Or <laughs> I'm not sure what you call that, but... <laughs> well, I, like I said, I started attending retreats with... Um, well, for me personally, just on my own, I would go to women's retreats. But even before that point, I would, my, my husband, myself, and my, our two sons would go to family retreats. And so as they got older, they didn't really want to go to those anymore. I, and then I found out about women's retreats, the same uh, Pine Cove is uh, where we would go for the family retreats. But I found out that Pine Cove had women's retreats. And so and it started in my hometown. We would go to one in Columbus, which is not far from Austin. But um, so I started going to women's retreats. So because I've been going to retreats for so long, I know how what I like about them. Okay. Um, and then I did actually go through a, a training on retreat planning with uh, a company, Wanderlust Entrepreneur. Um, a former physician actually uh, is operates that program okay. <laughs> she's a retreat planner now and a retreat planning coach so uh i went through that before i started planning for this retreat very cool yeah retreat planning <laughs> are there any other um health and wellness professions that you want to talk about well um there is you know coaching i have completed uh health coaching program but for me what I'm going to do is offer self-care coaching in the form of a podcast after the retreat it's called um it's what my company despise me but the name of the podcast is dear cousin k and so my middle name is k okay. so it's an opportunity <laughs> for people to write letters anonymous anonymously to dear cousin k uh, regarding any self-care issue that they're dealing with. And Dear Cousin Kay will respond to the anonymous letter writer <laughs> uh, in her podcast. 
Very cool. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and I have actually started receiving letters, so I'm eager to take those ep- episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe uh, let me in on any of the questions that you've received? Yeah. Or? Some of the questions, a couple of the questions I received deal with um, sleep deprivation mm. um, and also how, as a mother, how do we release the guilt that is felt when uh, wanting to make more time for yourself? So mm. those are two of the issues that you know I've received letters about. Yeah. And just as, you know, a mother and mm-hmm. a very successful career woman, yeah. you know, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, how do you handle that not only work-home balance, but family? And- right. Well, with um, releasing the guilt, that is something I definitely struggled with in the beginning because... I never made time for anything that interested me. You know, I was interested in what my kids were doing, but just like my own thing, I just never did that. And just the fact of knowing that I was carving time out, you know, I'm thinking I'm carving time out from the family, but really it was like just carving just a piece of my own personal time to focus on something just for me. Uh, It took... It took a while for me to get there where I just, you know, didn't feel guilty about it anymore. But what I realized is that when I participate in activities that are pleasing and pleasant for me, I'm more pleasant to be around. (laughs) And I'm able to, uh, I'm happier, actually. And so it creates a a more positive environment for Mm -hmm. everyone uh, in my household and for me to have the energy Mm -hmm. to give to other people. And on the sleep issue, I just got to the point later in my career where I just stopped taking work home. Uh, So I had to go through the process of realizing I couldn't, it was part of the burnout, I couldn't work all the time. And I couldn't take all these, um, because I would take, in addition to work, I would take a lot of pro bono cases. So I just had to figure out how... I could make more free time for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that meant, you know, not taking work home on the weekends and not maybe pick one volunteer activity and just do that. Right. Um, So I started to do those things. And then with that, I felt I felt like I could sleep more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's something sort of hard to say that, you know, I felt like. I earned the right to sleep, <laughs> but, you know, I had to take some things away to realize that I needed to sleep so that I would feel more energetic. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, sleep is, that's part of your, your self-care. It's part of your health. It's important for, for both. So, right. yeah. Right. And just in our, like, general reactions with people, mm-hmm. how... How patient are we? You know, how can we kind of face stressful situations and hopefully not get completely turned into a stressful mess or whatever, like that sleep and self-care and taking time to relax and taking time to do things you enjoy. I mean, that's so important for making sure that you're relationships with, you know, the husband, your family, much less your coworkers and right. clients and all of this, you know, um, is as good as it can be because mm-hmm. you're in the best place, you know, that you can be at. And right. um, it's definitely, you're definitely right. There is so much um, 
you know, pressure on us to do more than mm-hmm. like that one element of making time for ourselves and making time to maybe sit around and do nothing. Right. Like just sit with yourself and, and <laughs> be breathing or be relaxing or be doing yoga or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, you know, getting getting out of that kind of hamster wheel for mm-hmm. a little while, um, it's almost a little scary. You right. know, like there's maybe like comfort in the always being running around and always being pushing yourself right. to the edge and always, you know, being like five, feeling like you're five steps behind in work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, you know, it's almost a challenge in a way to get out of that just because right. we do get so comfortable in mm-hmm. that in that space. Um to try and mm-hmm. like do something different or that's what I dealt with because that's all I knew for so long. Mm-hmm. And the thought of doing anything different than that was very paralyzing for me because that's what, that's all that I knew. And mm-hmm. so just getting to the point of doing things uh, outside of your routine is a right. scary first step to take. But, um, and I don't remember, I think I just, I took it slowly and I said, well, let me just try this activity. You know, I would Mm -hmm. try so many different things and then it just became a challenge to try to find something that would, you know, hold my attention (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, it took a while, um, but it's what I needed to do. And I think I, I know that I learned more about myself in the process. So it was was great. (laughs) (laughs) And then fast forward to now, um, you have so much going on and so many different um, just kind of areas of expertise where you're able to reach out and help people Mm -hmm. through the retreats, through the podcast and everything. Yeah. Um, You know, we kind of have have kind of gone off the topic of of health careers, so to speak. But I think that this is still equally important Mm because now it's like, once you're in a stressful career, you know, right. how do you take care of yourself? And especially for people who want to go into something related to health and wellness, mm-hmm. it's really important for them to be taking care of themselves right. as well. You because know? with those, if you're, if a person is, well, no matter what aspect of a career a person has, uh, but if you're dealing with people as part of your career then there is the issue of compassion fatigue where you're wanting to give so much to the other person and you take on that person's energy then it is something definitely to consider uh how do you take care of yourself when you're dealing with these Mm -hmm. difficult you know cases or um patient situations you know it is important to know how to step back so that so that you're not living and breathing that every day mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. And so that you're not brought down by all the right. like, stress and negativity that mm-hmm. you're like, really your job is kind of to be right in the middle of. Exactly. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> and then, um, you know, if for anyone listening who maybe is still, he's still in school or something like that, do you have any recommendations for yeah. uh, for them? Because I know, you know, I think we think a lot about burnout happening while we're in a career, but burnout happens while you're in college. It happens yeah. while you're in high school. It, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very real thing no matter where you're at. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I wish I could talk to my younger self because I've definitely learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, but in college is really where I feel like 
my workaholism started to emerge. So I would say to find an activity as a student that a person can participate in. Uh, it's okay to spend time with your friends, you know, maybe one day a week and just, you know, relax. <laughs> uh, but and go to the on-campus gym because a lot of these colleges have really nice recreation centers, uh, get involved in some kind of uh, sport, mm-hmm. um, do something outside of studying because it will make the student more well-rounded and they'll meet other people that way. Mm-hmm. I wish it's something that I would have done, but you know, at least I can pass that advice to other students now. Right. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of like college related stress, and, <laughs> you know, cause I, I see a lot of, of questions and, you know, a lot of people kind of ask, you know, like, oh, how do I deal with the stress of being in school? Or, right. How do I deal with the stress of, you know, exams and papers and deadlines? And, mm-hmm. oh, that was so long ago for me. I'm kind of like, and I was kind of the workaholic a bit when yeah. I was in school. And I was like, always wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, stay up all night rewriting my right. paper <laughs> until I thought it was perfect and whatever. And, you know, um, I'm looking back, I'm like, man, I wish somebody would have just told me like, hey, don't kill yourself trying yeah. to get through college because that's just the beginning <laughs> exactly. of life. And interestingly enough, I feel like real life has not been as stressful as college was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some days there's definitely real stressful right. days and you got bills and all these things and those can be really stressful. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like being ultimately at your highest level of being stressed out every single day of your life, like college, I think was Right. More stressful than my daily life is now. Yeah. I can't speak to law school. I'm sure that, that was <laughs> even more. Yeah, that was stressful. That was like next level stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but do you have any like maybe words of wisdom, so to speak, for for those for those who might be listening who are maybe still in one of right. those stressful schooling type situations? I would I would say now colleges and law schools are They've evolved so much since when I attended, and they offer so many activities for students um, to get involved and, you know, away from the number of hours that they're studying. I would say, you know, try to find some way to get involved in in activity on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, sleep. Don't stay up all night. (laughs) You know, people are going to do it anyway, but I wish I would have taken the time to enjoy the college environment more than I did because I feel like I feel now that I did I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just spent so much time focusing on doing well academically as a student that I didn't really take the time to enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. So I would say try to find uh, something outside of studying to do. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> These colleges now are even taking, you know, trips to hiking trips, you know, do something mm. like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's something different that you wouldn't <laughs> normally do because you may not have that type of experience when you start working, you know, mm-hmm. not initially anyway. Right. And like it said earlier, getting to meet different people. And, right. You know, I just think about all of the different things that I learned just from the different people that I met, yeah. you know, and and sometimes you um, maybe even like discover what ends up being your 
life's calling, so to speak, like almost accidentally. You know, a lot of times I hear people that are, you know, there's all this stress around like, what do I do? What am I going to be? I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't, you know, like, I don't know what to go into. I don't know what to study. And that's a, that's an overwhelming feeling Mm -hmm. just like not knowing you know and I think back to myself you know when I was in college I had no idea what I wanted to do right um and then I you know kind of would get interested in this or interested in that and for a while I um so I was an English major and then I got really interested in biology Mm -hmm. and um so I have a, a minor in biology I didn't my my Basically, my parents were like, if you want to stay and finish a double major, then you can pay for it. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I'm very grateful to them for paying for my school. But so I had thought, like, oh, I want to do medical writing. That makes right. perfect sense. Like, I'm interested in health and wellness, and, yeah. I'm, and I have a writing background. And so I actually went to this um, convention. It was like mm-hmm. the American Medical Writers Association or something. I've heard of it. And, um, <laughs> Anyways, it was really cool and all the people were super nice. But then basically what I learned is that the only thing medical writers do is work for pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's the opposite of what I want to do. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but, but, but again, it was just kind of this really interesting thing that like I would have never known, mm-hmm. A, that that even existed if it wasn't for the people that I met in school. And right. then B, going to that conference right. and meeting a bunch of people who were in the middle of a medical writing career and and they were so sweet and so helpful but that was just such a powerful experience for yeah. me to kind of get an idea of what it would be like to be in that career mm-hmm. and you know and of course for me I kind of learned that like oh maybe this isn't where I want to go into <laughs> because I'm more in like more interested in like the creative thing and right. like helping people one on one as mm-hmm. opposed to like working for a big corporation where I'm just kind of writing right. a lot of things that like aren't tip- you know aren't really going to be read by people or you're mm-hmm. like writing the insert that comes in the medication right. that like no one really reads even though they maybe should <laughs> but yeah. um this, that was like definitely a very like important experience for me and yeah. um so yeah so just like as an idea you know for people that you yeah. start kind of just opening up your horizons and mm-hmm. finding different ways to um because I actually wrote a little like letter to the dean of my college and they paid for me to go to that conference wow. and stuff and I was like you know because I was really sure <laughs> that's what I wanted to do for my career until you went um, <laughs> but anyways just you know like if you reach out to your professors or your school or right. and of course larger schools are going to be different I was at a little private college so mm-hmm. that was probably why I was able to make that happen but um but yeah, I just think there's so much out there for people and just having that willingness to maybe come out of your comfort zone a little yeah. bit to to learn new things. Because a lot of times there's that feeling like, oh, I have to choose from all the careers that I know exist. Right. But what about all the things you don't even realize exist yet? And I think mm-hmm. that that's really where you can start to discover your true passion. Right. You know, what truly drives you. and. And you just made me think of another suggestion for people, um, students, or anyone who's even thinking of a career change, is that uh, for students right now is that there is an association for anything anyone wants to do. Mm -hmm. And there are usually student membership memberships attached where Mm -hmm. a student can join at a lower rate. So I w- that's something I would recommend that students do. And, you know, if they can arrange it to go to uh, an annual conference and certainly to read the material 
published by that particular uh, industry association. Mm -hmm. But that's something that people can do, just maybe get an idea of, okay, what is this possible career about? Uh, I remember when I went to, when I started, after I um, completed yoga teacher training, I would go to different blogging conferences because I started the spa. I mean, we just blogging about wellness destinations here in Austin. And I actually met a student who was there with her um, travel writing teacher at a college. So I thought that was really, you know, yeah. unique. Because I would have never, I never thought about doing that uh-huh. when I was in college. So yeah, to hear your story in there, that made me think of her. Yeah. And and that's so true. <laughs> You're right. There's an association for everything. Yeah. So like as a great way to kind of just get a little, mm-hmm. you know, peek into whatever that area is. Exactly. Um, that's definitely a great resource, you know, whether you're a student or like you said, an adult who's mm-hmm. maybe you want to you're thinking of a new career right. or something you want to take on on the side or whatever. Like it's a great way to kind of get your feet in the door, so to speak. And, exactly. And really, you know, determining like, is this for me or not? Mm-hmm. You know, is this what fulfills me? What I want to start, you know, doing every day. And I think that's the most important thing is like, you're not going to necessarily be able to just come up with the answer, the solution of what you want to do with your life. But when you encounter in your life that thing, like, you know it. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, oh, here's what I want to do. Right. And that's very much how I feel about, like, being a health coach or, you know, being a health and wellness YouTuber, I guess, would be, (laughs) like, my profession, so to speak. Um, Which I never in a million years, like, would have, if somebody would have told me while I was in college, like, you're going to end up making nutrition videos on YouTube, I would have been like, what's YouTube? (laughs) You know? Um, So it's just kind of a testament to the, you know, a lot of times that like the the best path for us, the path where we're going to be happiest, maybe isn't something that we can even see from where we currently are. But you just kind of like follow your heart and your different interests. And then eventually you'll like stumble on, you know, that thing for you. I agree. (laughs) Very cool. Certainly. Well, Sandra, I just want to thank you so much for coming in today, sharing all of this with us. Um, I definitely want to have you back on the program again. Maybe we can even do a virtual retreat. That's like, all nice. right, maybe you don't want to make time to go to a retreat, but could we create a retreat experience for you to enjoy in the podcast? I don't know. Something I like to think that. About. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you so much for being here today, and I look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast today. Remember that you can find the video version of this full one-hour interview, along with hundreds of other health and wellness videos, over on wellnessplus.tv. I hope that you will join us again soon. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.